0: الله أكبر الله أكبر, الله أكبر, الله أكبر <سؤال> <تصفيق> محمد الرسول الله. shalom, أن محمد الرسول
1: وَحَبِيبَنَا وَمَوْلَانَا مُحَمَّدًا وَرَسُولُهُ أَمَّا بَعْدٍ Respected elders and dear brothers, when Rasulullah sallam described this ummah, and when he spoke about the relationship that the members of this ummah enjoy with one another, Rasul ﷺ explained this by way of a metaphor, a metaphorical analogy that Rasulullah had used. The hadith that we are familiar with, صلى alayhi wa sallam had said, al-mu'minin, the example of the believers in the love that they have for one another, in the mercy that they show towards one another, in the concern that they have for one another, in regards to the relationship that they enjoy with one another. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says they are like one body. This is a metaphor. Rasul describes the ummah as a single body. Whenever we have a metaphorical analogy in Arabic or in any other language, there are two primary components that you have in a metaphor. You have the compared and the compared to. Yeah, the compared, the ummah, and the compared to the body, the physical body that we have. And when we have this type of a metaphor. We study the compared to. Why do we study the compared to? To understand what are the characteristics found in the compared to? What are the qualities found in the compared to? Those same characteristics must be found in the compared. To cite a simple example. If we say, Zaid is like the sea. So Zaid is the compared and the sea is the compared to. So to understand why Zaid is compared to the sea or what are the characteristics that are found in Zaid, that are found in the sea, we first study the sea and we find that the sea, its most salient characteristic is its generosity. The sea gives us jewels. The sea gives us fresh meat. The sea is extremely generous. That's the salient characteristic found in the sea. Hence, that is the most salient characteristic found in Zaid. And that's why we compared him to the sea. So when Rasul compared us, the Ummah, to a body, we need to study the body and understand what are the characteristics found in the body. Those same characteristics must be found in the Ummah. Rasulallahu Alaihi speaks of the characteristics. There are many. There are many different reasons why Rasul compared the Muslim Ummah to the body, but Rasul zooms into one particular characteristic, and that is the entire body reacts, and the entire body responds to the suffering of one part of the body. So if there's an infection in one part of the body. Then you find there are multiple symptoms. Why do we have those symptoms? The symptoms are found in all different parts of the body. Rasulullah wasallam explains certain symptoms that are found because of the suffering, because of an infection in one part of the body. Those symptoms are a reaction to the suffering that one part of the body is experiencing. Now, the key thing here. When we look at the body, and when we look at those symptoms, which are a reaction to the suffering, which are a reaction to the infection, those symptoms, they arise almost immediately, and they appear naturally, and their appearance is a spontaneous one. They are not sluggish, they are not lazy in responding to the suffering of one part of the body. The response is almost immediate. And the response is a natural one, spontaneous one. They do not require to be prompted. They do not require to be encouraged. Listen, there's one part of the body that is suffering. You all need to wake up and start Responding and reacting, that's why Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam compared us to the body. Because in our reaction, in our response, when a part of the ummah suffers, that reaction is a natural one. The reaction is an immediate one. The reaction is a spontaneous one. It's not an unnatural reaction. It's found within us. It's part of our nature to react and to respond. The question is, how do we respond? How do we react? Given the current circumstances and the unfolding events, that are taking place in the land of Palestine and the region of Gaza in particular. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant them Izzah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow them to experience his divine assistance and his divine help and grant them victory over the oppressors and the enemy of Islam. And we will see that victory. If we will not see it, our children will see it. If our children will not see it, our grandchildren will see it. The Rasul ﷺ has said to us that we are the rightful and we are the divinely chosen custodians of al-Masjid al-Aqsa. It belongs to us. Regardless of what military might the occupiers may have, regardless of the sophisticated weapons they may use against us, the entire world with all their might and all their forces may stand against the custodians of that land Allah says you will you will prevail and you will be victorious and we take solace in that Allah promises that the end the result the outcome belongs to the righteous servants of Allah So the body reacts when one part of the body is suffering there's a natural reaction today let's focus on the reaction and the response we are looking on how to we are following the events and there is this somber atmosphere in every Muslim community. Every now and again we are hearing of a new disaster and a new attack on civilians and innocent people and so on and so forth. And it really does dampen our spirits. There is this um, you know, atmosphere of dampened spirits and dampened emotion. Everyone is speaking about it and everyone wants to know what do we do? How do we react? How do we respond? When we go back into the life and the seerah of Rasulullah sallallahu on the occasion of Badr. Allahu ta'ala majma'een were 300 plus in number. The figure varies according to the historian. 300 plus. And they were completely ill-equipped. We know what the situation was. And they had absolutely no intention of taking on such a mighty force and they were completely caught unprepared yet they advanced and they proceeded and they followed the instruction of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam the night preceding the battle of badr ali radiyallahu ta'alahu says that the entire army of course they were exhausted they left almadinah Munawara it was the month of Ramadan on the 12th of Ramadan. The battle of Badr took place on the 17th of Ramadan. It was a Friday. So they were traveling. And by the time they arrived, they were exhausted. They were tired. So it says the night preceding the battle, we all fell into a state of sleep. Except for Rasulullah He spent the entire night in doing what? Dua. He spent the entire night in dua. Begging, crying, supplicating to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala who was at his side. Sa'ad bin Mu'ad radiallahu ta'ala who was standing at the entrance of that simple shelter that they had constructed for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And this continued throughout the night. The next morning, Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa he prepared for battle and he stationed the Sahaba at his, and the war erupted. The moment the war began, Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa again went into his arish. He went into his little shelter that was built for him, along with Abu Bakr ta'ala anhu, and Sa'ad bin Nu'ad ta'ala. Anhu. And what did he do while the battle was taking place? Rasul alayhi wasalam, for the first part of the battle, he did not go onto the battlefield. What did he do? He was observing. You and I, we are observers. But what was he doing? He was spending the time in dua. He raised his hands, lifting his hands, standing, beseeching, pleading, crying to Allah, that his upper garment kept on. Falling down to the ground. And Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala, who is standing behind the Rasul of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and he lifts the garment and he places it onto the back of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and it falls down, and again he places it on Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala, who came behind the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and he grabbed the arms of the Nabi of Allah and he braced him from the back and said, Has book ya Allah, enough? Oh Nabi of Allah, enough? Allah has answered your dua. تستغيثون. What does this mean? You desperately and genuinely you turn and you make dua to Allah. We need to seek those moments wherein dua are answered. Are we standing at night while they are sacrificing everything? Literally. Are we sacrificing our sleep at night or a portion of the night? As observers, are we really using the greatest, the greatest weapon that we have, that of dua? Think about it. On the occasion of Badr, what did the Sahaba have in terms of weapons? Nothing. Basic. Weapons that the traveler would had, no weapon that was the match to the type of weapons that they had. They had time. We have dua. That is the greatest weapon that we have and we must. And it is our duty and responsibility because al masjid Al-Aqsa and the land of Al-Aqsa is the collective responsibility of the ummah. We go to the occasion of a battle that took place thousands of years before that, the battle of Badr. Where did it take place? The very same land. And who are the occupiers? The Amaliqah. They were the occupiers. In every era, the Muslims of that era are the divinely chosen custodians of that land. So in the time of Musa, his people were the Muslims. They were the Muslims. And that is why the Banu-Israel, they were the Muslims. So they were the chosen people to occupy that land. And when the time of Musa السلام, expired, and now came the ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu we are the Muslims. Hence, we are the custodians of the holy land of Al-Aqsa. This was a battle that was fought between the forces of Palut, He was a king of the Banu Israel. And he had marched out to remove the occupiers from the land of Al-Aqsa, the land of Al-Quds. And their forces were under the command of whom Jalud, Goliath. That battle took place in the same area, the same region. And the fight was for al-Masjid al-Aqsa. When Talut crossed a certain river that is found in Jordan today, When he crossed that certain point, he was with a force of also, how many? 300 plus, roughly 300 plus, 310, according to some narration. The exact same number of Sahaba on the occasion of Badr. And when they came across the force of Talut, or the force of Jalut, and we had, we know, the famous incident of the killing of Jalut, Goliath by Dawood, by David, his biblical name. On that occasion, again, those 300, when they saw this mighty force, that was considered as the most powerful force of the time. A force that could not be defeated. What did they do? They turned to Allah. Ragbana Afrih Alayna Sabara. Oh Allah afrigh. The expression is amazing. They did not say Rabbana oh, Sabirna. Oh Allah make us patience. Allah Sabr. What did they say? Afrih Alayna Sabr. Afrih, what does Africh means? If I take this glass and I turn it upside down, and every single drop of water comes out of the glass, that is أثريغ. I've completely emptied it out. What did they say to Allah? alayna Empty out all the sabr on us right now. That's what we need. Make our firm speed. Oh Allah, you help us against the disbelieving nation. Dua. We have underestimated the power of dua. That is our duty and responsibility. That is our contribution. And the Rasul has promised us in a hadith that Muslim, mustajab, The dua that you make on behalf of your Muslim brother in his absence is answered by Allah. Allah answers the dua. How the dua is answered, that is beyond your, beyond your ability, beyond your capability. That is in the hand of Allah. Umar ibn al-Khattab would say, My duty is to make the dua. The rest is in the hand of Allah. But the dua is answered. Whether you see it or not, it's answered by Allah. Through that dua, maybe Allah provides shelter for some orphan child in that part of the world. Through that dua, maybe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows aid to reach somebody in that part of the world. You never know. And you don't have to know. But make the dua. And that is the first thing when it comes to the natural reaction of the body to the suffering that another part of the body experiences. We said it's natural, it's spontaneous, it's immediate. That is the very first thing that we are required. And let us focus on it, dedicate time to it. Rasul said, your dua is answered between the Adhan and Iqamah. Raise your hands at that time and make dua for them. Rasul ﷺ was asked, Ayu Ya Rasul Allah, which dua is readily answered by Allah? The dua fi jaufi akhir the dua that's made in the last part of the night. We have this mighty powerful weapon of dua, let us use it on this occasion. Let us keep on making dua for them at every at every moment, rather than spending more time on following the news and so on and so forth, which we should do. Let us pay more time, spend time in making dua for them. Number two is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when He speaks of calamity, and Allah tests us in different ways. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks of sabr. We don't have the time to go into unpacking the practical meaning of sabr. But the second part is salah. Allah speaks of salah. It's time for me to introspect and consider my relationship with salah. Salah is the bare minimum that Allah asks of us. Wallahi, there's nothing below that. It's the bare minimum. After you have embraced Islam, Allah has blessed you with Iman and Islam, the bare minimum is salah. If I do not have salah in my life, It might sound harsh. But if I do not have salah in my life, I do not have Allah in my life. Because that's the bare minimum. There's nothing below that. And Allah speaks about it in the event of calamity, and test and try. It's time for us to introspect and see what is my relationship with salah. If we understand this and we're convinced about this, that Nasr, help, and divine assistance and victory will come to this Ummah only from Allah's side, then we will seek the avenues which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has provided us with in order to seek that help. It's as simple as that. Then let us look at the type of lives we are living, and the standard of lifestyle, and the kind of luxuries that we enjoy. And I think this, I met a friend the other day, and he said, our family decided that this year, rather than going on a 300,000 holiday, that we normally do every year, we're going to downgrade. We won't go abroad. We'll go on a holiday, but we won't go abroad. That. We just feel it's not right for us to do that. When those people in that part of the world do not even have a home to live in. So let us consider this. It's just an opportunity for us. You know, in the suffering of one part of the ummah, there lies opportunity for another part of the ummah. And there's so much other things that we can do, to try and assist and to try and contribute and play our part. The natural reaction, the spontaneous reaction to the infection that's found in one part of the body. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant them izzah, to grant them victory. And for a believer, it's victory. Martyrdom is a victory. Martyrdom is a victory. And we need to be convinced about that. And we need to celebrate the martyrdom of those whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen for the station of martyrdom. It is by selection. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala consoled Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam on the occasion of Uhud, notice the, the difference and the disparity in the mode of expressions between Badr. Verses were revealed that were rather direct and that were somewhat harsh. Wama Ramaita Allah rama. رَمَاهُ Post-Badr, Allah said to Rasulullah sallallahu Alaihi wa sallam, and by extension the Sahaba, and by extension every Ummati who enjoys victory, Ma' You're not the one who fired when you fired, who threw when you threw. It was Allah. In other words, there could have been the possibility of attributing victory to themselves to negate that. Allah says, Ma' Allah But on the occasion of Uhud, when they suffered losses, they did not suffer defeat. Because the enemy did not fulfill their objectives, why they marched towards Uhud. But they did suffer losses. There, the mode of expression was somewhat different. You find it is a gentle mode of expression because of the losses that were suffered. Wallatahino, don't lose courage. Yes, there is that natural, somber atmosphere that we spoke about, tempered dealings and imatahino. Don't lose courage. Don't fall into a state of agitation and grief and sadness. You are the most in kuntum Hold on to your iman. You will remain supreme. Amongst the words of consolement on that occasion of uhud, Allah said to Rasulullah sallallahu shuhada." Allah allowed the losses to take place and for you to be inflicted and affected by these losses. Why? Allah wanted to choose martyrs from amongst you. That is. Consoling Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and it should be a source of consolament for us. We ask Allah for afia. We ask Allah subhanahu wa taala to grant them victory. Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam has said, "Never desire to meet the enemy. But when you do meet them, put but we step fast and engage in the dhikr of Allah. The best way for us to deal with the state of sadness, depression, agitation, whatever it may be that we are experiencing is to immerse ourselves in spiritual engagement. Wallahi, there's no better uh, remedy. Immerse yourself into spiritual engagements. la Your heart will find rest. Your heart will find contentment. Your heart will find sukun and tranquility only in the remembrance of Allah. Only in the spiritual engagement that remind you of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah Ta'ala grant us the understanding.